2023. Mics are hot. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Sidelines. My name is Court Sage Hart. I am your host. I'm here with my other host, my mans. Dave over here, Cordo. How are you, buddy? Look, I'm not great. <laughs> what? Is this, are you saying this on purpose to change up our opening a little bit? Or are you genuinely perturbed? Uh, I'm salty. I've got to come in here and talk about a movie I don't want to talk about too much. Ah, no, I'm kidding. It's, it is really good to be here. We're going to talk about our winner. Yes. Which, if, if you can tell, I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a special edition episode. It's a third of our sports movie breakdowns. We have the winner, The Mighty Ducks. Otherwise known as champions in some random parts of the world for some reason, which I have not been able to establish. But for those of you that don't know, the Mighty Ducks was up against the Sandlot. The Sandlot Kids, again, had multiple names. AP is a big fan of the Sandlot Kids. Yep, pretty unhappy over here. (laughs) Did not take me seriously when we did the voting for this and he said, Sandlot's going to win. I was like, mate, my tribe are ice hockey people. I think the Sandlot people just don't like... Engagement, they're they're above it. (laughs) (laughs) They're not big Insta engagers or Facebook users. Yeah, that's where it comes down to. But look, here we are. Look, at the end of the day, both movies were about a bunch of kids who find some sort of success towards the end of the movie and have adult uh, characters that influence them in a positive way. Yeah, in in hindsight, we're probably going to have to change our tones on both movies. Um, which we'll probably talk about a little later. Yeah, we will. Um, you know, because we had to take some time and reevaluate the fact of what these movies are actually like. But yeah, all in good time. So nuts and bolts of it: The Mighty Ducks, nineteen ninety two, Disney movie, classic Disney movie, uh, made for about ten million US dollars. Uh, ended up grossing over fifty, uh, grossed fifty million, and then in the year after release, grossed another 50-something meal in VHS rentals in the States alone. That's a lot of VHS rentals. Yeah. So it was an absolute behemoth of a moneymaker for Disney, but also just a behemoth a little bit culturally where it just, it it sat in that kind of Ace Ventura, Happy Gilmore VHS rental box. Um, Super popular rental for kids. Summer holidays, classic. Rent it, watch it, love it. Um. Something else that's amazing about it, and we discussed this earlier, it might just be the only movie that's ever happened where off the back of its success, a league and a corporation have gone, you know what, let's start a professional sporting team and name it after the team from the movie. Absolutely incredible. I, we were looking at the timeline and I, I knew it was close-ish. Like I wasn't sure which way it had kind of gone, but geez, they must have made some money off merchandise. Ooh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you got the NHL National Hockey League, which is a Canadian and American professional ice hockey league. Disney actually founded and launched the Anaheim Mighty Ducks a year or so after the movie came out based on the success of the movie and the brand that it developed. And look, it had the other two movies as well. And yeah. they've got a TV series coming up as well. And there was another animated series as well or something, wasn't there? Yeah, the two sequels, an animated cartoon, which weirdly had actual ducks that played ice hockey, if I remember correctly. So they went a little bit like almost Donald Duck good, <laughs> and his good. nephews playing <laughs> ice hockey. And then, yeah, I think Apple or Disney are now bringing out a new series um, next year. 
which I was slightly enraged about because I saw some of the plot notes and they're writing the ducks as the bad guys in the new Mighty Ducks TV series. I like it. And then the other team is Ragtag, who go up against the ducks. I was like, okay, interesting. Yeah, so some interesting notes about this, which in looking at, this is probably the origin the origin of any ragtag bunch of collection of kids. This, this is really sport. it. <laughs> yeah, playing a sport. So this is that whole, you know, bringing together some misfits who, who don't know how to do anything relevant in their sport, <laughs> show a montage, suddenly world beaters. Yeah. <laughs> and they use this for a shitload of movies. And, and that, you know, it's a tried and t- tested means, but geez, it, th- this is the first one really. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it inspired so many. And then you could see Disney just milked it till the cows came home. Like they brought out the little giants then a year after, which is basically the same again, a bunch of ragtag shitty kids that couldn't get a shot against the big, rich, awesome team. All they needed was a, an adult figure to, <laughs> to <laughs> show them the way and they become successful. Uh, you had like rookie of the year, which is more like kids that were crap at sport. And then he like broke his arm. Remember and he becomes like a turbo pitcher and then he plays in the majors. Like <laughs> just, it launched an absolute avalanche of them. So this is a weird movie where, and I want your take on it. Is this more about a story about, uh, Gordon Bombay, uh, you know, getting rid of his PST, his intense trauma as a youth, or is it about the kids? Because it toes the line between both. It doesn't really know which one it wants to be for the majority of the movie. I think it's both. I think it tries to literally mesh together the redemption story for the adult, coupled with the classic uh, kids that are downtrodden who think they're worthless, find their value, and are actually powerful and successful. So I've decided to nickname this movie The Swiss Cheese because there's so many goddamn plot holes. Um, all that's left of it is just the outer crust of some cheese. <laughs> Drop my goddamn car through it. So we'll, we'll go through all the normal stuff. And don't, then, let, don't let your saltiness get in the way of how you perceive the movie. Look, I came in, I, I lost graciously, and then when I watched the movie, this all just, you know, sometimes, sometimes you've got to take what it gives. And yeah. it gave me a lot. And look, I enjoyed watching Mighty Ducks as a kid. And to be honest, my my memories are actually quite blurred between Mighty Ducks 1 and Mighty Ducks 2. Mm. I actually think Mighty Ducks 2 could actually be far superior, but I can't really back that up with anything substantial. Other than I seem to remember more bits from the second one. Yeah. And I actually thought this one was actually more funny the last time I watched it, but it probably wasn't that uh, hilarious this time, which I think you ran into yourself. Yeah, like I maybe because I love them so much, I've given them a, a pass. But yeah, they're, it's one of many childhood movies where I, I felt like at the time I pissed myself every five minutes and then I watch it again and I'm like, huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So just quickly on that, uh, the first note, also probably one of the only movies where I remember a movie character being referenced in another sort of cult comedy movie, Night at the Roxbury, Will Ferrell, when he does that thing, like I'm walking, who do I see? The Mighty Duck himself, Gordon Bombay, Emilio Estevez. And I'm like, <laughs> Emilio! Emilio! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, so that's how much that movie permeated through culture. And people just don't realize it. Yeah, it's done a lot. It has, it has literally done a lot. 
Yeah. Um, it also, I think, brought us the as kids. It brought us into the fold of the classic coach that leads people to glory. Like, even though that movie's existed for a long time, I think as kids, that was probably our first time seeing that. And then as you grow up, you see things like Remember the Titans and Denzel Washington's character, same kind of thing. Like, so you've got that affinity for the coach that leads the team to glory just through like genius coaching and being a good role model. So I've got, that's going to, we'll do that after the scenes. So I've got some questions uh, yes. that I'm basically just me just throwing out little barbs and seeing what you can come up with on the spot. All right. So now just uh, for those that, haven't seen the movie or haven't seen it in a long time. We're just going to chuck in a few iconic scenes. It wasn't really a gaggy, dialogue kind of zinger movie. So we just chucked together a few classic scenes. Uh, so enjoy the montage right now. Yo, dude. You obviously in the wrong hood. This is my dominion. It's a drug-free zone, you understand? Yeah, man, that's right. We ain't buying nothing. Now, I'm feeling generous today. So I'm gonna let you get your side vanilla booty out of here before we be using your eyeballs as hockey pucks. Thanks, bro. But I'm not going home till I take care of business. District 5 Pee Wee hockey team. I'm Gordon Bombay. I'm the new coach. Afraid so, dude. Got the roster right here. Averman, Dave, Conway, Charlie, Paul, Terry. Coach. Now here's the long and the short of it. I hate hockey and I don't like kids. It was supposed to be a pep talk. Look, I'm sure this will be a real bonding experience. And maybe one day one of you will even write a book about it in jail. <laughs> maybe one of you will write a book about this in jail. Like <laughs> <laughs> Such a shit attitude to them after rolling up in a, a limo in a trench coat looking like a mafia drug dealer. So one of the things we sort of mentioned when we watched this is it toes a really weird line of pretending that the kids are actually adults. Yes. So it's the coaches themselves are quite, they're coaching in a very adulty way. Yeah, they're savage. Hey, shut up! You guys stink. I thought we came here to play hockey. You know, I knew we forgot something. <laughs> but you think it's funny? You think losing is funny? Well, not at first, but once you get the hang of it. And they kind of prefer to go, your Coach Riley is, is your man, like man's man, it's all happening. These kids really care. Like, this is so important. And what, Peewee hockey is supposed to be effectively, what, under 12s? You can kind of... Yeah, I think they're even less. So these are, they're like nine or something in this movie, or ten. <laughs> they're not very old. So they, they sort of can't decide sometimes between this isn't really that important in someone's life, it's just some fun, and then the other line where this is the most important thing in someone's life where Gordon Bombay can't get over the trauma for 20-odd years. He's now a high-flying corporate lawyer <laughs> who still remembers like and has these like it's flashbacks scarring. of missing one goal by a quarter of an inch and from there like completely drops a sport like you know he's he's completely changed because this is one under under tens moment and then at the same time they're just like oh, it's just some kids muck around like which is 
more what probably what it should be. Yeah. But again, they can't. Sometimes they can't really decide what they want this movie to sort of be. They they want them to be adults yeah. or not. Yeah, and that, like there's a real dark undertone to his to Gordon Bombay's character. You're right. Like he's a kid that gets scarred. So he goes from being the Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky of junior ice hockey to never playing the game, touching the game, watching the game ever again. He abandons all of his friends. He stops hanging around Hans, his old sort of Scandinavian mentor, grandfather figure, never sees him again, even though he apparently went to his shop every day. He then becomes a lawyer obsessed with winning because of his loss that he experienced, who then has things like a drinking issue and he gets busted <laughs> drink driving. <laughs> and then he can't come to terms with having to do community service. Like So basically, he's just a destroyed adult who's never recovered from this. Yeah, it's pretty... <laughs> intense yeah. like he really needs a psychotherapist like he needs deep counseling also shout out to none of the adults in his young life who didn't realize that he clearly was having some issues dealing with this one goal and then yeah. no one was able to convince him to come back to hockey yeah no well, hans no mu- like what's his mum doing like geez yeah well hans his mentor is like i saw how much riley rolled you after that loss it's like well why did you not, as the adult, get involved and say, you're out of line? Gordon, it'll be okay. There's always next year. <laughs> so, again, the holes in this, in this movie are starting to come out. Yeah. Um, it's a movie of plot holes when you watch it as an adult. But, look, I would like to ask you, before we go down that path, Yeah, I think there's actually some elite coaching moves in this. Because this is what this, this movie really boils down to, some coaches. Yeah. You've got ironclad coach who seems like his only move is to draft winners <laughs> and a system, a system of winning. And you know, that's it. That's what he's got. Seems to have some good fundamental skills. Like yeah. everyone seems very well. You've got the other style of coaching, which is lighthearted, but clearly a bit more playful yeah. and elite maneuvers. I also think this is the start of the move of the novelty play in sports movies. Yes. So if you're a ragtag bunch, you're never going to win against the guys who are clearly better unless you've got at least two or three novelty plays to win. Yeah, you need the tricks up the sleeve. So the elite coaching move number one, which I didn't realize at the time, but then you look back at it, is absolutely fantastic. <laughs> so Fulton Reed, so for those of you who haven't watched it recently, Fulton Reed is the big guy who just has an absolute thunderstrike of a shot. Yeah, he, and he's like the, the loner who none of the kids talk to. And again, uh, I'm jumping in on your point, but the most classic backstory of he's discovered to have a thunderous shot because he's firing pucks in an alleyway towards a street and his puck hits Gordon's limo or van. Yeah, for a guy who has acknowledged that he's one in five, he's clearly, he's clearly going to have to go get a lot of pucks. Like, why would you set yourself up there to practice there if you miss that often? <laughs> Knowing you have a cannon and why are you aiming at the street, not yeah, into I, the alleyway? Yeah, you, you go the other way. Go off the wall. Like, anything. But still. Yeah. He's got an absolute shot. Yeah. So prior to the game, so just brought him in. The team have done their whole, you know, they've got a uniform now. Everyone's, everyone's kind of up and about. Yeah. Um, what Gordon does he brings him out onto the ice, drops circa 30 pucks. Oh, before the game, yep. Now, this is before the game. In warm-ups. They, he then proceeds to just say, just shoot. 
He instills so much fear in the opposing team, commentators, random bystanders, because he's just hammering. Like he's breaking glass. Every now and then he's scorching one through the net and there's genuine fear. Yeah. So what he does is he does this and this is a great, you know, set up the play. He doesn't wheel him back out until the final. Yeah, like late in the game. Late in the game. Yeah. Like they need a goal to score and they're like, now's your time. Brings yeah. him out. He's, he does the wind up and everybody moves. Like every kid. Yeah. <laughs> Shits themselves and gets out of the way of his shot. And then they just do a quick pass up and score. That move is elite. Yeah, because the goalie's been so scared, he doesn't even want to stay in the net to try and get in the front of it. So that is what I'm calling an elite coaching move. Yeah, it's genius. The next novelty play, which happens, is less genius because I don't think it'll work. But again, it's sort of, it just had this sort of movie roles. Is the girl who's the figure skater. Yeah. Late in the, they're down. They need some goals. Yeah. The play is she goes out there and does like a massive twirl near the goals and everybody's so shocked that she's doing this big twirl <laughs> that they stop defending and playing hockey. And mind you, this is the well, well-oiled drilled. Like this is not just some bums that they're playing. This is like the team Yeah. who for the first time I've seen somebody do something on ice, which I assume they should have seen. They just stop. Boom, she stops it. Goal scored. Yeah. Again, and then the final one, which is the flying V, which I'm not actually sure would work, but it's, it's a very nice novelty. We're going to go out there and do it and a team move. Yeah. But I feel like he was built off the success of that one play, but then he also screwed up really bad because um, Fulton scores twice. He's two for two, and he, he states, I am a one from five shooter. Yeah. He's ahead of the odds. Get him out on the ice. What are you doing? Get him out there. Yeah. Every puck should be on his stick. He can't skate. Who cares? Wear, like, wear it. <laughs> but who do you think is the actual better coach? Yeah, definitely Bombay. Because he takes a bunch of unskilled kids. Oh, uh, even his training methods, like the eggs on the rink, which we can talk about that as a massive plot hole. But where he gets the kids to learn to pass like deftly to each other by sliding eggs on the ice, that's genius because the concept of it is you're actually teaching your kids how to be like just gentle with the stick and learn to like control the park, you know, the way he teaches them to skate. So he's actually fundamentally a very good coach. Riley, the bad guy coach, he's just like a dictator. Is he a product of success? Riley? Yeah. Yes. He's, but he's... Just rules with an iron fist. But also weirdly, like where it touches on like their district also gets all the best players. So maybe for some reason, all the alpha males live in that one small suburb in Minnesota. But <laughs> we'll leave that as an aside. But Riley, you never see him coaching. He's always just going, win, win, win. Okay, I want you to hit him. Score. And popping his collar. Yeah. And always- An aggressive amount of pol- co- <laughs> collars being popped. Oh, I could God. not believe how much he does it. He's, his collar's yeah. actually already popped and he goes the repop. Yeah. It hasn't unpopped. Isn't he? And I think he's the guy that's like the newspaper chief in uh, the Superman TV show that had like Terry Hatcher and stuff in it. Um, but yeah, like, and when he's like, Bombay, good win. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Popping the collar. <laughs> <laughs> it's the ultimate, just weird calling card. But look, we may as well. You may as well go into where the bulk of this is, which is unfortunate for Cordo, because I have got some ammo. 
plot holes. Yes. All right. But look, to be fair, you you brought some of your own to the table here as well. Oh, yeah. And we touched on this. I'm one of those shocking film lovers who, if I like the film or an actor in it, I will... I will see the plot holes, be enraged by them, but I compartmentalize them and I bury them and pretend they never existed. This is one of those movies. Okay, so we're going to premise that there's no real order to a lot of these because they're kind of very... There's just too many to sort of order and we could be here forever. Yeah, it's a bit of a... you just It's like verbal diarrhea where you just dump it all out. Okay, so we're going to go... We'll continue while we're here on Coach Riley. Yes. So for the most part... Okay, actually, I take that back. There seems to be a ridiculous amount of emphasis and enjoyment on peewee hockey in Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. Like they've got their own newspaper that people clearly read a lot of. And there's a lot like everybody's really into it. Yeah. It makes the back page of the sports section of the newspaper. Yeah. Again, a lot of scrutiny and intensity on this to where I almost don't think that they would have let a ragtag bunch of kids who don't have a matching uniforms actually play. Yeah, you can't let kids play a game of ice hockey where they've got no pads on. One of them's wearing like an NFL helmet. <laughs> One of them's not wearing a helmet. He's wearing what appears to be like a skull cap. So you've got, you've got this lens where people care way too much about under 10s hockey. Like way too much. For the record, I care a lot about under 10 but yes yeah keep going coach riley has obviously been coaching for you'd say gordon's what early 30s ish now yeah yeah early to late 30s so one can assume at least 20 years you may as well at least you may as well at least go to the unders and say he's probably 25 to 30 yeah because when you see their championship banners on the ceiling that he proudly gloats to gordon about and then whinges about the one runner-up, because he's won like every championship in history. The ones before the runners-up, there's a shitload. So he's been coaching for like 40 years. How is it that he's... Like, no one's called him out that his coaching methods are... Archaic. Archaic. Or does nobody care because he's just straight up... This is the the corporate America lens where winners are winners, and it doesn't matter. Like, if they get the job done, we'll turn a blind eye kind of thing. Yeah. But also, he's failed. He's coaching Pee Wee for 35 years and he's never, <laughs> like, he's never gone, actually, I might coach them under 12. Yeah. I might coach the thirds or the local state team. Yeah. He's never once stood up. He's just dominating under 10s, which is clearly based off a whole lot of, because he finally complains because he can't have Adam Banks, who, for all, all intents and purposes, is clearly... A jet. Yeah. Like he's he's notably a jet in the in, in the, oh, movie. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the the district thing, the whole big and the subplot of the movie is that the teams are formulated by suburbs, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this there's this line. And Gordon finds out about it and then by proxy he gets to have the the number one player in the league. Yeah. Who plays for Coach Riley, his old arch nemesis who gave him PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> Who then they basically complain and try to get the rules changed to change the district laws back so this kid can then play for the Hawks again. So again, Coach Riley might only be a product. His success is based off some rules which he can clearly manipulate in under 10s peewee hockey. Yeah. <laughs> which is just straight up bizarre. Yeah. For some reason, the Hawks in district, whatever they are in peewee hockey, they're like the late 90s, early 2000s Carlton. There's a lot of like salary cap dodgy 
shit going on behind closed doors. Even just the fact when Gordon complains to the league and there's like multiple officials in suits that come to like discuss it with Coach Riley on the bench. It's so weird. So you've got, you've got that. Which again goes back to the whole weird like kids movie, but has all these adult things happening around it. Yeah. Like that's an adult thing. Issue. It's very, very. That's why. That's why I found weird. Yeah, like a contract dispute in ten-year-old ice hockey. And so then to go on to Gordon with this whole, I guess the adult lens bit. So he's a winner. He he goes all about now that he wins. He wins the first court case, and he he, you know they're really showing that he doesn't like hockey anymore. He makes a statement about it. Um, his then boss says, "I is it? Oh, so yeah, Gordon's boss. Gordon's from his law firm. Yeah." Says I need you to have a break. Um, you know you you're working too hard, mate. Like just chill. I'll I'll keep you getting paid. A presents like the suddenly the nice, I guess like a nice tone. Yeah, like, like he's whole, forgiving of Gordon because Gordon gets busted for drink driving, and that's why he has to do community service and coach the kids. No, but he was going to go to jail. Yes, yes. But then the the boss goes, "Oh, look, I need you to have a break. You're my you're my yeah. number one guy. I struck a deal for you to do community service." And you sort of sit there and go, "Oh, that's great. Like it's starting to give the undertones that corporate America is actually pretty nice." Yeah. Midway through it, when he when he announces that he found this you star know, kid, the star kid, and the rules, the Adam Banks's dad is a mate with Gordon's boss, <laughs> and then comes to him and says, uh, like he complains to the boss and says. This is how it needs to be. Um, these are the rules. So it clearly goes back to the corporate America where if you know the right people, you can get, your, you can get the things done against the rules. <laughs> he then says to the boss, oh, you told me about you know, teamwork and playing by the rules. This is what you wanted. And he says, yeah, that's all well and good, but um, clearly uh, there's something else going on here, something supremely dodgy. Throws that all at the window and Gordon says, what are you going to fire me for a kid zoning rule? And he goes, yeah, you're fired. Which is it's just... <laughs> It's absurdly bizarre with the tone of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because when you break it down, you've got a kid who's playing for the best team who shouldn't be because the rules state he should be playing for this team. The coach tries to do the right thing and say he should be playing for our team. The kid, to his credit, kind of goes, I just want to play hockey. I'll come and play for their team. But yeah, then you've got a large uh, senior partner of a massive law firm who's weirdly mates with the kid's dad, who calls in his best lawyer and sacks him over a 10-year-old hockey contractual dispute. Yeah. Doesn't fit. Uh, after, after, also, the boss, the law boss, is the one that gave Gordon all the cash to sponsor the team. Yeah. They're called the Ducks because his boss is Mr. Ducksworth. So he's going against his own team that he's effectively... The owner of because they're called they're named after him. He has his own jersey. Like it's insane. I, I couldn't deal with that weird ad again, a weird adult undertone. But but yeah, exactly. A weird adult undertone. But I sit there and go, if you're the boss of a law firm and your mate comes to you and says, Ah, oh, Adam wants to play with this team instead, when he's on your team that you've given cash to and then named after you. Wouldn't you tell your mate, suck it up, man. It's my team. Oh, we're going to go back to the league officials and get the zoning redrawn. It's under 10s. Yeah. It's under 10s, Pee-wee. Yeah. I'm gonna, no, I'm going to scorn the team whose jersey I have now on my wall after giving them cash and allowing them to, you know, train, have rink time, have equipment. I'm just going to throw all that out the window a week later. 
<laughs> I just don't get it. <laughs> now when I'm saying it out loud to you, that is a huge plot hole. Yeah. I know. That's why I've come. Like, I did have a bit of a saunter when I walked in here because I knew I had some ammo and I knew yeah, that. He was going to throw barbs at me. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll go away from that little bit for yeah. now. Yeah. We could go down a real rabbit hole here where we forget people are listening to this <laughs> and are trying to get something out of it. And we're just going on these tirades about these obscure references. So, Gordon Bombay. Yeah. Again, back to Wee hockey. He scores 198 goals in a season. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. I don't care what league you're in. That's impressive. Yeah. He misses one goal. Yeah. In to win the state title and then quit. <laughs> yeah. Not, not mentioning the fact that they went to overtime. Clearly someone else has also made an error in overtime. The goal he probably screwed up. Yeah, because he missed a penalty shot to win the game. It went to overtime. The team lost in overtime. Yeah. Somebody else has screwed up. Are they also like harboring these huge... I quit hockey vibes that Gordon has. Yeah. So that, I find that ridiculous. No one actually stood up for Gordon to call out the coach as well because he quit. Hans is nowhere. Hans is all like, oh, you love the game. Yeah. Clearly you didn't love him because you could have gone to the coach like, hey, back off. Oh, can we go get him to go play for any of the other districts so he enjoys playing again? Yeah. Or, you know. He's good enough that at some point he doesn't have to play for that coach because he only coaches under tens. <laughs> like, ridiculous. Yeah. And then off the back of this, so the whole Peewee thing just gets me. They go to a Dallas I'm, Stars game. I'm sorry. I, just, I love how much this has annoyed you. Oh, it's really good. I wish our episodes were filmed because I can just see the steam fizzing <laughs> out of your ears as you say all of this. They go to a Dallas Stars game where. Uh, Legit legend of the game. The USA Olympic captain. Mentions, so they, so for those who haven't seen it recently, they, they go to the game and, and it's sort of Gordon's a bit of like, I'm back on your team. Like we're going to go do a team outing. I'm going to take you to uh, a hockey game, meet some players, go on the, the actual NHL hockey rink, have a muck around and we'll watch the game. Yeah. As they're walking in, uh, Madano, who is the, the main NHL player. Yeah. It's a, at the time, they were the North Stars, Minnesota North Stars, who then the franchise moved to Dallas a year or two after. But yes, he, they're on the rink. Mike Madano, the captain of the Stars, arguably the greatest USA ice hockey player ever. He's he, coming off a training practice, which they're weirdly allowed to stand on the sidelines with the doors open and watch. But the first thing he mentioned is, and I couldn't, I had to re-watch this a bit. He goes, oh, Gordon Bombay. I remember you in peewee hockey. You were legit. Yeah, this guy destroyed in peewee. He then mentions to the other guy who I, I can't Basil remember. Basil McRae. He yeah. goes, this is the guy I was telling you about. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold up. How often is a starting NHL elite sports star bringing up to other players he plays with, oh, this one time back in peewee hockey, there was this guy who was a freaking jet. Yeah. Never. That's how many times? Never. He then off the cuff just says, oh, hey, man, sing out and I'll get you a trial. Yeah. He's got no idea what he's doing. He could be injured. Yeah. He's, well, yeah also, he's in his 30s. <laughs> he should be way past it. And how did you recognize him 25 years later? I couldn't get over that. And it's just this off the cuff kind of thing they threw out there. I don't know whether it's supposed to say how important and big peewee hockey is. 
like in the grand scheme of life that it can get you into certain things mm. or that you keep hustling out there and some NHL center is going to remember that you dominated one time and give you a shout out. I'm not really sure. I think that's just typical shitty Disney silver lining, happy ending crap where they're just trying to find a way to go. Like some knobhead in a writer's room has gone, ah, oh, he doesn't play hockey anymore, but he was really good. How about we make him able to play good hockey now as an adult again? And then they've just gone, how do you play good hockey as an adult? You'd have to like play again. Ah, oh, yeah, but ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I suspect it was that. <laughs> yeah, just just not really, really about that. Stephen Brill, who wrote it, ended up writing like Mister Deeds and Little Nicky for Adam Sandler. So when you look at those movies and their plots, it's not really a reach. <laughs> <laughs> like what's Little Nicky? The devil has a bunch of sons, and one of them has a speech impediment. It's a little bit retarded, like and goes to New York. I think that alone probably sums up <laughs> why the Mighty Ducks has these glaring issues. So look, yeah. your your dislike. This one, this one's one of yours. Yeah, the finale. Move. Oh, the triple deke. Yes. Yeah, because it's a recurring thing that they milk. Because there's, you know, there's a scene at the start. So the montage at the start where Gordon misses the big shot in the playoffs. Riley rides him with this whole, like, if you miss this shot, you're not just letting me down, you're letting the whole damn team down too. Like, great pep talk before a nine-year-old's about to go and fire off a shot to win a game. Um, But, yeah, he talks, he talks about it to Charlie when they're sitting at the diner, one of the players. Where he's like, ah, oh, I go in, I make a triple dick, and I miss it by an inch. Charlie's like, ah. Oh. And then same thing, use a triple dick. And then like at the end where Charlie gets a shot to win the game and Gordon's doing that cheesy like coach giving you the nod of approval. You know, that shit that's in movies where the coach and other people give you the approval nod before you're about to like take a game winning shot. And again, he does a triple dick. Right. For those of you that don't know, the triple dick is literally skating with the puck and moving the puck slightly to the left and right. You do that anyway when you're skating. It's not a move. It's not a thing. And the way that it's done in the movie is like moving the puck to the left, move the puck to the right, then move the puck to the left, hold it out here a little bit, and then shoot. And that somehow will dumbfound any goalie. Nope. Never. Yeah. Plot hole. <laughs> you, can tell, you can tell that as someone that's played ice hockey That bugs the living shit out of me, that one Yeah, look I also just think that's that classic When you don't have people who play the sport Write a sports movie Yeah, that's probably a good point that's, They're like, we need some, we need some moment Some thing It's yeah. a, a thing to talk about And yeah. also, they're in the diner And Charlie goes He's like, oh, one more inch and my whole life's different. And then he goes, yeah, but you had to go an inch the other way. You would have completely missed the goals and been even worse than you were off now. He's like, I never thought about it that way. It's like, (laughs) you're telling me this guy who's clearly relived this moment, what, under over 16 hours a day for the last 25 years, (laughs) has never, never once thought about if the puck had gone a quarter an inch and completely not hit the crossbar. At all. Yeah. Yes, it's too good. Now, speaking of Charlie. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, and I love it. He basically just meets, meets the coach. Yeah. This is the, the first apology. 
instantaneously goes into pimp my mum mode. <laughs> It'll be a lot more fun this time around. What do you say? Do you want to stay for dinner? You know, she has many fine qualities that men find attractive. I know that, Charlie. That fact hasn't escaped me. So, what kind of guys does she usually date? Cheers. I mean, most of them like her. But as soon as they catch a glimpse of me, bah, warp speed, they are gone. Don't take it personally, Charlie. Oh, I wouldn't even care. Except it's not fair to my mom. She deserves somebody nice. Are you going to come over for dinner again? He's doing stuff like, oh, man, like, I would love to come out with you and mom and me to, like, go to the... Oh, I can't even remember what it's called. Some, there's something going on. Some ice festival. Some ice festival. Yeah. And, and he's like, i got to do homework. It's like, yeah, get in there, man. It's like the weirdest ever. Ten-year-old uh, sleezing his mum out. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah. Like, it's very, very weird. It's creepy. Again, adult shit under the guise of a kid's movie. Yeah, I didn't... That didn't age very well because it's just obscure. And it's, yeah, it's going for that, again, another classic Disney thing where the kid that, like, has a missing parent or something and they take a shine to an adult role model, which, yeah, they couldn't do without having this creepy, like, hey, my mom, she's single. You into that? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just bizarre. You into that, coach? And then he gets real heated when his teammates, like, mock him for it saying something about like yeah more like charlie's mom and he gets like real angry it's like you brought that on yourself you did this this is your own doing yeah you wanted gordon to be daddy (laughs) this this movie is also the start again i'm kind of going a little bit everywhere but i would like to point out that this is the start of montages i don't recall there being as many montages in a film. I know Rocky had a bunch. Yeah. Rocky had the traditional training montage. Yeah. But this has, if you're rubbish at sport, go spend $15,000 in a sports shop and get matching gear montage. <laughs> and, and, awesome. and that makes you good. So that's, that's montage number one. Yeah. You have to do that. Then there's the, what I call the, we're no chance, but now we need to show that we've played a lot of games and we're on the comeback trail victory playoff montage. Yeah, like the game highlights montage of like, they win, they're, they're moving up the ladder. Oh, the Ducks in overtime, they get they, another one. They might actually make the playoffs. Yeah. So yeah. again, and also the, the triple down on it is just throwing in Gordon trauma montages everywhere. Yeah. Like flashbacks to him skating on the ice by himself. Like, but again, overlaying, it's a weird amount of montages. <laughs> there's the one where they go to the ice hockey rink, you know, where you're talking about them meeting yes. the Dallas Stars. And there's a monta- like a team bonding montage of them all skating a- around and laughing. A ridiculous amount of team montages for one movie. Yeah. So when you break it down, this movie is effectively 60% getting screwed over by corporate America and <laughs> montages. Yeah. And 40%, uh, 40% Charlie pimping out his mum. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Some other little ones I've got for you. Okay. I'm gonna this I'm gonna go big list. I'm gonna go over because again I've I've got a lot here. This is more a slot on the movie because it's very, very weird. Okay. The two what I would think is probably one of the most iconic things from the movie, I didn't realise was so minor in the movie itself. Okay. Which is we Are the Champions by Queen. Yes. Amazing song. Is in the movie. 
Yeah. I recall vividly. It's actually only in like the last couple of minutes. It's in the roll credits, the end credits. No, it's we will rock you's in the end credits and we are the champions is just before that. Yes. So you've, you're the writers, you're the guys who've written Mighty Ducks and you've able to convince Disney on a 10 million budget to get We Are The Champions and We Will Rock You. They must have dropped like a mill of the budget just on music rights. Yeah. So you've got those two. You've got those two aces in the hole <laughs> and you use We Will Rock You in the credit. <laughs> they don't use that. Like, why didn't they use that in the, we're on the comeback trail playoff? They don't, they don't use it then. Yeah. So in six minutes of film, they use We Are The Champions and We Will Rock You. Yeah. And they just, Again, I remember them being in that, like, that's where they're from. But they wasted it. We were, we're the champions, fair, like, good play. Yeah. But we were rock you, underutilized. It's bizarre choices. Yeah. So completely wasted it. Yeah. And again, I, I know that they use it in Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah. They use in, it better in Mighty Ducks too. Again, yeah. again my, my memory's a little bit blurred. It only happened because I had to watch this. Yeah. But they obviously use We Are The Champions and We Will Rock You in number two a little bit better. Yeah. But again, can't believe they just wasted them. Yeah, that is weird because it would have cost a fortune to license them. Yeah. Anyway, look, I've got more plot holes, but I feel kind of bad for you because you've gone fetal and I've just absolutely done <laughs> <laughs> Gone fetal. <laughs> No, like a few things I'll touch on too. Like, I know you agree with me. The stereotypes of the kids are just priceless. Like the fat kids always eating, farting. Um, the two African-American kids are like ghetto thugs, like mini little like, get out of my neighborhood, man. Yeah, who are, again, under 10, but apparently are running. Like they've got this weird. Like I'm running the neighborhood. Who calls everyone cake eater, which is just the weird tone for obviously trying to. Ease in some racial slur. Like, it, yeah, they're trying to say cracker, but not. Because he only ever calls it to, like, clean-cut white kids. <laughs> the girls, like, the one that's good, she's butch. The girl, the other girl is, like, the pretty one that all the guys kind of creepily ogle at. And again, they're, like, 10. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like, who's that girl? Uh, that's Tommy Duncan. And that's his sister, Tammy. And it's like. Ugh. It's like 10 year old leering at a yeah, girl figure skating. It's weird. There's no girl in the middle. She's just like the pretty Barbie doll girl that figure skates. The other girl's like the butch one that like beats dudes up. Yeah. Averman, the nerd with the glasses, who's a nerd. Like that's just Disney's like shameless, like lack of creativity with the classic ragtag kids. Yeah. It really, it really is highlighted. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, like single parent home is like real moody but has like a sweet, innocent heart just waiting to come out. <laughs> the other little kid that's like in the leather jacket and the cap, he's like the like bitter, angry one all the time and it takes to the end of the movie for him to finally just like open up. Yeah, it's again, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff they're trying to hit on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I do love the movie. I weirdly love the movie for some of the plot holes. I love that in the first movie, there's Hans, who is the old Scandinavian grandfather figure of Gordon, who ends up then being a grandfather figure to the team. In the second movie, Gordon gets hurt and is picked up by Jans, who is Hans's brother, because Hans has gone to the old country for the winter. <laughs> and Jans then proceeds to be the exact same character in the second movie. 
Like there are so many weird things in it. Gordon's like minor league hockey thing is just one of the all time plot holes. Like the whole, yeah. You know, at the end of the movie when he's like, oh my, I think I got a shot at the minors. Like, I agree. You have not played the game in 25 <laughs> years. A, how the fuck are you getting this contract? And B, yes, you, the chances of you succeeding seem very obscure and farcical to me right now. And I feel like when he rings up Madonna and goes, yeah, how's about that? He's like, oh, I was just kidding, bro. Yeah, like, exactly. you're with the kids for a bit of like pep. Like, that's not happening. Yeah, and also, like, you're a high-powered lawyer rolling around in, like, a Pontiac, drinking beers, you're in a limo. At the end, you're catching a 299 Greyhound <laughs> bus to the trials. <laughs> like, you can't find any other mode of transport. Yeah, but if he drives off, then he can't have the cool goodbye montage, which, again, I forgot that one. That's actually would be five. Yeah. Where everybody's going to have, like, the nice, cheesy, like, yeah. their little, you know, stay safe out there, be, be casual, be, you know, uh, yeah, no strength. Yeah, poise, all this sort of shit. Oh no, I've just undermined my own plot hole. It's not a plot hole. He got busted for drink driving. He's got no license. Oh he's shit, public <laughs> transport. But still, high powered lawyer. Why would you not take a flight? Because he's going to play in like Miami. Yeah. So he's flying like it's like an hour and a half flight or like a four day bus ride. It just seems obscure and bizarre. Um, but look. As we get close to wrapping it up, I'm just going to say that I love this movie through and through. I love it because it's had the biggest influence on me in my life beyond any other movie, which might sound weird, but when I, I saw that movie when it first came out, so it's six or seven years of age, that made me want to put on skates and play hockey. And that sport, I still love that sport more than anything as an adult. That movie actually made me want to play a sport it made me spend hours in my driveway trying to copy the things that they do, trying to do knuckle pucks, which is in the sequel, but whatever, it all blends into one. Like, um, I had Mighty Ducks merchandise. I still have an Adam Banks 99 Mighty Ducks t-shirt somewhere in a drawer that I bought on like some obscure American classic film memorabilia website. Like, I've got friends that grew up in my neighborhood. We would play roller hockey and effectively... I think take on the personas of the Mighty Ducks characters when playing. Like, As is tradition. Yeah. And some of the plot holes are my most beloved things. Like, you know, they're, in the second movie, they're playing roller hockey against like the bad neighborhood team who are all African-American kids. And again, weirdly in like a gang. Yeah. <laughs> so they act like the Bloods or Crips on an inline hockey rink. It's really weird. I think for me, this is... This is probably actually one of the true movies where I struggled remembering the difference between Mighty Ducks 1 and Mighty Ducks 2. Yeah, it all blends in. It all, it all really blends. And I probably, like, I think Mighty Ducks 2 might be slightly better, a bit more Polish, but I it's can't funnier. back that up. Mighty Ducks 2 is a lot funnier. D1's again, real dark. Again, I can't really back that up because I haven't watched <laughs> Mighty Ducks 2 in quite a while. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I will. Yeah. Um, the Mighty Ducks one also introduced us again in childhood movies where the bad teams always seem to have this sort of neo-Nazi, Scandinavian, blonde-haired, Aryan undertone to them. Yeah, it's real weird. Like in all the Ducks movies, they all wear black uniforms and have blonde hair and blue eyes. And they're these like unrelenting, mean kids. Yeah, like where's the away jersey? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I love it to bits. Look, it was very good. It was enjoyable for me to go watch it. And again, 
I will also rewatch the Sandlot Kids again because I actually did watch a little bit of it and I also found out that it probably wasn't as funny as I thought. Yeah. So some hard truths coming uh, caught on AP's way on yeah. rewatching these films. This is a hard, this is like a cult nostalgia movie. There's going to be a lot of people that faithfully listen to our podcast who have absolutely no fucking clue what we've just been <laughs> talking about. But we need a bank on the fact that they either find us charming and interesting enough that they're still listening at this point in the podcast. We've lost them forever. Yeah. Well, well, that's why we call it a special edition. Hopefully people that haven't seen it are at least going, I don't know what AP's so annoyed about, but I'm intrigued by his passion and how annoyed (laughs) he is by it. (laughs) So look, now the the big one. Yeah. I'm going to let you drive and then I'll offer my take on it. But okay. as is the way, yes. we have to rank this. We do have to rank it. So I'll start with a very easy one. Yep. Normally we do sport. For those of you who can't remember, like it's uh, sport, then comedy, and then plot. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> <a> shaky. <laughs> um, so I'll start with an easy one. Yeah. Comedy. Oh, we're going comedy first. Okay. Yep. Uh, after... Watching it again, I'm going to have to give it a six. Look, I would have I said five, but yep. I'll accept six if you steal some of the jokes from the second one. <laughs> the, the franchise and a six. Yeah, I'll, give, I'll, give, I'll give the franchise a six. Yeah. Because it's actually not very, not very funny. It uses a lot of pretty cliche jokes. The fart joke in a car. The poo in the handbag to trick the guy into picking up the handbag with money dangling out. But after the start, there's no there's no comedy anymore. Yeah, it just gets real dark actually. After the first fifteen it. minutes, there's no more jokes. Yeah, yeah. It's so a I think I think sex. Yeah, we'll go I five. I think five is generous. Yeah, I think so too. I think five is just you giving me extra points because you know how much I love the movie. Yeah. Sport. Sport. I'm giving it a nine. Look, I would have given it an eight. Yeah, I do. I do actually think that was one thing that actually stood out really well was that it did really look like sort of junior hockey, and it was really as well enough done. Yeah, it's a, it's a slick sports movie. Like it even shows how difficult the game is. So they got to learn to train to skate, um, but the gameplay scenes and stuff. It's actually as someone that played, they actually did it pretty bloody well. And it didn't look too ridiculous where it was way too elite. Yes. Like, it wasn't like, that's just some pros. Yeah, they also did a pretty good job of, even though the Ducks ended up winning it all, they won by sort of using, like, team quirkiness versus they magically became the fastest skaters, the hardest shooters. They still had to get by on a bit of, like, Disney magic. You know what I mean? They didn't just instantly become these, like, alpha male dominant beasts that just murked the bad guys. I mean, and they did very, they very quickly highlighted that, Banks was very good, and they showed that a few times. And it was like, oh, he just balked out three guys out of their skates and scored a goal. Like clearly, yeah. he's good. That helps. Yeah. But I think that was really well done. So yeah. yeah, eight or nine for me. So I'll let you. Yep. Uh, plot and storyline. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for the massive plot holes, it's a good storyline of ragtag kids learning how to, you know, reach their potential by give, being given a chance. If you take away the plot holes, is there a story? Uh, <laughs> no, there is not. <laughs> there is no story to be found. Uh, the redemption story of the coach who lost his way. Uh, no, not buying it. Not going to give me that. No, I think it's about a four. Yeah, I was thinking three. 
<laughs> Purely because it's disappointing because I actually didn't want there to be that. I didn't realize there was that many holes in it. Yeah. Like it, when we watch these movies, you got to go in with a good lens and normally you can kind of get away with a bit because the gloss sort of gives you like a nice 10 to 15% buffer. Yeah. But geez, you need some buffing on this one. Yeah, you do need some buffing. So that's kind of, and it probably doesn't help that it's not as like, if it was funnier, some of the plot hole gaps aren't really yeah. noticeable. It kind of, you're just enjoying yourself when you gloss over it a little bit more. Yeah, but there's just too many. Yeah, there's there's a lot. Yeah, why is this kid pimping his mum out? Why yeah. is this evil coach not being pulled up by anyone in history? Why is he still coaching 10-year-olds? Why is this guy getting busted for drink driving and his punishment is somehow being made to coach a small kid's <laughs> ice hockey team? Like, they clearly everyone cares about and they should have a coach anyway. Yeah. Like, I get a lot. Why does your lawyer boss give you 50 grand a week ago to buy gear and then sack you <laughs> the next week over a petty dispute? So look, what do, what do we end up? We had we had not. I gave you a nine for sport, five and four, five and four, eighteen. So it's the lowest ranked. I think Ace was like twenty, Gilmore was twenty nine. Yeah. So Ducks is uh, not making any moves. No, but look, sometimes sometimes you need this to happen. Yeah. Look, I know I, you shattered. It's okay. I'm destroyed. <laughs> This could be the end of the podcast. We could have broken us. We could have killed viewership. You've killed the movie for me ever, forever now in my psyche. Well, I mean, I ran out of ink in two pens writing down the plot holes. That's concerning for me too. And you know what you've done? You've coach Riley'd me. So now I'm going to Gordon the movie and I'm going to leave it for 25 years and not come back to it. You're giving me PTSD because of all the plot holes. Uh, <laughs> all right. But look, onto a better note. This is one down. Yes. So the next one we will begin opening up, which realistically is going to be more humorous. Yes. Uh, has to be. Yeah. <laughs> Cheap shot, but go on. Yeah. Uh, which is dodgeball versus semi-pro. Yes. So I would would realistically say that dodgeball is is high highly seated. Yes. Has Look at some... you trying to manipulate the voting already. I- I'm semi-pro. You're dodge. You're dodgeball. Oh yeah, I picked dodgeball. Didn't yeah. I? Uh, I mean, yeah, dodgeball is right up there. <laughs> <laughs> but look, we'll do we'll do the process through that one. But yeah, um, and then we'll go through the same, um, and we'll see how many plot holes we can find. It's our last vaunt down kids' movies, <laughs> which yeah, maybe, not may, quite as magical. When you're maybe, maybe this is just highlighted that yeah, we just don't don't analyze our kids' movies. <laughs> yeah, never go back in time and analyze kids' movies. All right. Mate, thank you very much. No, thanks, Gordo. You were, uh, I appreciate you coming on this journey <laughs> against your will. For all the Mighty Ducks people out there that voted, I'm still with you. We still believe Gordon's the greatest coach of all time. Charlie Conway, underrated star. Adam Banks, the Chris Judd of kids ice hockey. <laughs> all right. Thanks again for listening in, folks. You can always find us on our website, sidelines.com.au or at the Sidelines Media on Instagram. Uh, we love it when you throw it and slide into our DMs and comments. AP, hey, hope you enjoyed it. You too, Corey. Take care, everybody.